Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Chapter 3, we're going to read verses 31 to 35 in just a minute. You're like, we just finished, Mark. I know. But what we've been doing in this, these three weeks of refocus is we have been vi- revisiting themes from this last year that were some key themes we talked about. And, and this is a, a theme from this series that we did that I want to revisit with you. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but as I, as I mentioned before, today is Father's Day. Where are all the dads in the room? Father figures, you speak into someone's life. Can you stand up for a minute for me? Come on. Give these guys a hand. Give these men a hand. Come on. Hey, we're really thankful for you. You put time, effort, and energy into something is great. I I got a a Father's Day. You can sit down now. Thank you so much. I got a Father's Day card from my mother-in-law. And on the front is like this cute picture of me with my daughters. It's like, oh, that's great. I flip it over on the back. It was like a custom card. And on the back is like me with my coffee and like my cookie trying to like hide in the kitchen alone so they don't see me. And it's both of them there like, give me a piece. Reading, I'm like, this is what's real. This is what's real is they steal my food all the time. Happy Father's Day. I hope someone steals your food today because it means you are loved. It means you are loved. Um, But as we're talking about Father's Day and and it's Father's Day, I I thought it could be a good week to revisit this theme as we refocus. Um, And and I want to talk to you. Thank you. Give Jillian a hand, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I I wanted to talk with you all about... uh, something really key for family living, family relationships. This doesn't just relate to dads, uh, but since it's Father's Day, I thought a family-related topic would be good. But I want to ask your thoughts as we get started with a question. Just give me, don't give me a spiritual answer or a serious answer first, because it's more fun this way. Um, what would you say is one of the ingredients to have successful family relationships? A sense of humor. Patience. Time together. Communication. These are all kind of serious answers. Fine tradition. Oh, fun traditions. Yeah. A good laugh. I heard tolerance and what was it? A good pot of sauce. Amen. Food, food just helps a lot. Television. Excellent. What are some, we've named some serious ones, but what are some more serious ones? Like, man, like what would be like, okay, don't, don't just like give the answer you think that I want to hear, but like seriously, what do you think or what have you tried to implement that's a key ingredient for successful family relationships, whether you live under the same roof still or not? Forgiveness. Family meals. Being present, communication. I love it. I love it. Now, I have another question. How do you make these things happen? Do they happen overnight? Hard work. 
trial and error. What was it? Respect. Your will. Yep. Making it a priority. Yep. Consistency. Massive. All of these are incredibly true. Now, I have a question is, how did you learn that these things were important? From your parents. Observation. From who? Who'd you observe? Parents? Friends, parents? Aunts, uncles, perhaps? Grandparents? So you learned how to do what you do successfully in a family through learning from the previous generations, is what I'm hearing. Accurate? Awesome. TV shows. Perfect, the perfect family, yeah. It works more like telephone. That's funny. Um, so, okay, so you learned all of these key ingredients. Where did you learn the things that don't work in families? <laughs> From families to... So families are this incredible melting pot of... I learned so many good things. Gen- I'm generalizing a little bit, but families can be this amazing melt- melting pot of I learned things like hard work. I learned like things like family meals, time together, respect. I also learned like, like how to avoid having a difficult conversation, how to be passive aggressive. I learned how to be kind of embarrassed or ashamed to talk about money or sex or different things like that. I learned to make sure I keep family secrets. You see where I'm going with this. Like, we, we, we get so many good and negative things from our families that we come from, right? And, and so what I want to talk to you about is what I think is kind of sums up all of those healthy ingredients that make a good family. I, I would say that the key ingredient of a successful family dynamic, successful family relationship is this, being able to learn how to how do I put this the best way? Uh, being able to learn how to change how you identify yourself as someone who comes from your family of origin and changing your identify, identification to someone who comes from the family of Jesus. Here's why that matters. Because in our families, we get a lot of really good, positive things, but we also get a lot of really negative things. And then... We pass on those same good things and the negative things to our kids. And some of those negative things for for some of us are are particularly destructive. Some of them can be particularly destructive, but we've maybe learned how to manage them a little bit. Um, And some of them are are, are particularly difficult. And and so if we're going to follow Jesus and, and try and break the cycle of those negative things, we have to learn how to walk out of a different family and be influenced by a different family. Now, how many of you think that's super simple to do? Real, real easy, right? Oh, no problem. I'm just going to stop. The thing is, is our families are the most formative groups that you and I are ever a part of. 
growing up, whatever your, your childhood was like, your family of origin is the most formative group that you will ever be a part of. And so you get so many good things from that, but also so many negative things from that. And we'll, we'll talk about some specifics uh, in a little bit. But what I want to share today is just this simple good news that if we want to learn to walk in all of the good things that our family gave us, but also get free from all of those unhealthy habits, unhealthy, excuse me, behaviors, everything else, we need to identify ourselves under a new bloodline. Our DNA needs to change from I'm... Phil and Michelle's son, the mirrors on my dad's side, the jeans on my, literally jeans, J-E-A-N-S, uh, on, my, on my mom's side. I have to learn how to essentially, in a sense, that's no longer my bloodline and say, I am part of a new family. In Ephesians chapter one, let me turn there real quick. In Ephesians chapter one, verse five, because it's just, it's, I want you to know I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. I love this. Paul writes to the Ephesians. It's a church that's bringing together Jewish people. It's bringing together Gentiles from all sorts of diverse ethnic backgrounds. There was a lot of different family backgrounds all converging into this community called the church. And Paul writes at, uh, Ephesians to describe this new family that they were all a part of. And he says this in the first chapter. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. But the challenge is, is, is what uh, Pete Scazzaro talks about, is, is that while Jesus might live in your heart, grandpa lives in your bones. And we repeat, as we said, all of the things we observed, experienced, even the unsaid rules of our family. So I want to share a scripture here from Mark chapter 3, 31 to 35, about what it looks like to walk out life in the new family of Jesus so we can break those, those cycles, those habits, those things uh, that need to change. It says this, uh, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then they looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my mother and sister and brother. Let's pray for a minute before we keep going. Jesus, I, I pray this morning that um, you would open the eyes of our hearts to, to see how you have blessed us with an incredible family of origin. But, but I pray that you will also open our eyes to see how you are inviting us to live out of a different family pattern with new habits and new ways of, of relating to each other so that we can be a blessing to our church family, to our, our family of origin, and a blessing to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this is an interesting little story, and I, I'm not a mother, but I would imagine 
my mother might think this. Like you read this story and you might think like Jesus was a little rude to his mom here. Like, come on, it's your mother. It's like it's like a like an Italian family, I would imagine, of just like, no, it's your mother. You you pick up mom's it's mom. You don't mess around with that. Right? Uh, but what's expected here of Jesus is because his family, kind of the, the matriarch of the family, his, his blood relatives are here, and he's saying, hey, we have priority over you, and you need to leave what you're doing and come here. We need to speak to you. Uh, and, and Jesus flips the whole paradigm here, and he says, actually, the people that are a part of my family is anyone who does the will of my father. Anyone who does God's will, anyone who is walking after Jesus, following Jesus, and doing God's will, these are the people who are a part of my family. And so, in other words, Jesus is saying, your identity is no longer going to be in that family you came from. Your identity is in this new family that I am forming. And the same goes for you and I here 2,000 years later after he said these words. When we choose to follow Jesus, Jesus, by the power of his spirit, it's it's the spirit of adoption that the Apostle Paul talks about. God adopts you and I, and he says, you're not part of that old bloodline anymore. You're part of something totally new, a totally new family. But now the challenge is, right, you're a part of this new family, but we do things that are just kind of like leftover habits, if you will, from the old family that are not really in line with God's will, right? And so Jesus is making the point that it's time for you, it's time for me, and and, and this is his invitation to us this morning, will you consider shifting your identity from the family you grew up in to the family that you've been adopted into? In the Old Testament, there was this idea that that family influenced your life uh, to to, uh, a level that, that left you kind of stuck in it. Uh, there was this idea of blessing and cursing in the Old Testament. And, and when someone sinned, when someone was living out dysfunction, uh, what it says in, in, in Deuteronomy is that you're, you're going to live that this sin, the consequences of this are going to be going to the third and fourth generation. Whenever the Bible is talking about families, they're not talking about a nuclear family of like a mom and dad and 2.5 kids. What, what they're talking about is, is extended families, uncles, aunts, cousins, uh, grandparents, great-grandparents. That's the biblical idea of family when, when you hear him talking about family in the scripture. And when he says, when the scripture there says sin is going to affect three to four generations, what he's saying is the dysfunction, the brokenness, the, thi- the sin, the things that, that are happening in your family outside of the will of God, these things affect three to four generations of your family. Now, you probably have stories in your own family that come to mind. It may have been an uncle. It might have been an aunt. It might have been a cousin. It might have been a great-grandparent, a great-uncle. And you and your parents, your family, you still have reverberations of that down through the generations, things that you could even like think about right now. And, and the, the reality of God's world is that this is, this is how it works. Now, unfortunately, a lot of translations used to say that God would punish the family to three or four generations, and it's a really bad mistranslation of what's happening here. These are in essentially uh, God allowing natural consequences to play out when we make decisions that are outside of God's will. 
And so this is kind of what's in their head. This is what's in Jesus's head. This is what's in their worldview's head. And, and this is what for us, even though as much as we, I talked a couple weeks ago about how autonomous we wanna be from our, our families and strike out on our own, we're still really affected today by our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, all of these things are, are, are an interconnected web of relationships and those decisions reverberate onto us. But the good news is, is we, we can choose to walk out something new because of what Jesus has done for us. And that's what Jesus is saying is you don't have to live out this three, four generations of, of negative effects on you. You can step into something new through the power of the Spirit. And so many people uh, nowadays, sadly, we, we get stuck in these patterns and we don't even realize it. Um, I think I've shared this story before. I have, I have a friend who um, she's, she's very concerned right now about her, uh, her child's uh, body and, and some of the issues that uh, her, her child is starting to develop. Uh, and and uh, she was sharing with me about how, you know, this, this issue has happened and, and she's really concerned and she tries to keep her away from uh, another relative in, in the family because that other relative has similar things going on and she's kind of trying to do this all the time and do this. And then as the conversation continued, I noticed the way that my friend was talking about things. She's dealing with the same issue, but she doesn't even consider it as the same issue. And and so what my point in saying that is is, is you're seeing generation after generation pass these kinds of propensities down and a lot of times not even realizing that we're doing it. Could use some other examples and I'll, I will, I'll mention these again in a minute. How, how my family handled anger um, in, in my household. If you really needed to make a point, my dad would raise his voice. My mom would raise his, her voice. If, if that's when we listened that's when we went, oh, now I have to listen. Instead of being able to respect what each other was saying, instead of teaching us that I don't need to raise my voice for you to need to listen to me, those kinds of things, instead of them demonstrating to us that you don't need to raise your voice to be able to communicate effectively to people and get done what needs to get done, uh, what we resorted to in our household was yelling. I find myself falling into the same pattern. And then I find my daughters, when they're getting really frustrated because I'm not listening or Jillian's not listening, that they do the same thing with us. And we pass on these, these things when, how do we deal with anger? Well, we, we burst out and we yell and then finally I'll be heard. Instead of actually bringing to people and stopping and slowing down enough to, to communicate our needs. So, so these kinds of challenges and issues will manifest in these different dysfunctions in different ways. Uh, some of the more obvious ones too, like a lot of times like we see this in the town of West Milford. I'm on this I'm on a committee in town that works with uh, drug prevention, education, and, and things like that. And, and, you know, one of the biggest things we see is grandparents, their children, and then their grandchildren. And they're in generational uh, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, and, and it's going from generation to generation. Why? Because, well, it's what they learn in their home. doesn't matter if it's anger or alcohol or, or anything else. These are patterns we're, we're learning in these homes and these cycles are so ingrained into what we think is just how things are 
that we find ourselves stuck in them. But Jesus says to you and I this morning, we do not have to be stuck. We do not have to play out the same cycles again. The, the generations of divorce, the generations of mishandling money, the generations of abuse, the generations of addiction, they do not need to keep going. Maybe you've experienced this or, or you have friends, if you grew up in church or have been around long enough, even Christians, they're, they're not, we're not immune to this. Like how many times have you heard about, man, such great Christian people and, and they succumb to patterns of sin that it comes out like, well, they're just repeating things that like never got dealt with in any of their family for generations. We, we repeat the things that we don't repent of. Now you're like, well, I didn't do it. Why do I need to repent? Because the way we see ourselves as a bunch of autonomous individuals, is that generally fair to say? I'm on my own. I'm 18. I left the house. Off I go. I'm responsible for my own decisions, which is true. But what we don't understand in our culture is actually how interconnected we all are. And how much, I I love, uh, I remember uh, the former governor, Cuomo saying this at the beginning of the pandemic, just wear a mask. Like what you do affects me. What I do affects you. That was his exact quote. And it just stunned me because we don't actually act that way in our culture. Well, I'm doing my thing and I'm not bothering you. I'll stay over here. But so much of what we do affects each other. And so the reason we need to repent is because we are identified with the sins of our family. That's what the scriptures say. You're you're just going to pass it on unless you say, I will have nothing to do with this. And so taking time to say, here is the anger and here's the way my family has dealt with anger. I am not going to participate in this anymore. I confess this sin. I see where I'm seeing it in my own life. I, I see where, you know, it's not maybe what you saw in a previous generation, but I see the version of it playing out in my life. Jesus, I don't want anything to do with this. I repent. I want to walk in your way. And doing those kinds of things breaks us out of that old cycle of relating. Are you all with me? So so we have to consider two things. How has our family of origin helped form us to become like Jesus? And how has our family of origin deformed us from becoming like Jesus? And I just want to provide two practical steps for you. Uh, the first part's just some, some different categories to, to reflect on momentarily. And then the second one, uh, you've, you've seen this before when we did this series, when we did this sermon, this, this talk previously. We're going to talk a little bit about um, how you could use a genogram to help you think through your family patterns and, and what, what could lead you forward. So here's Here's what I want to do. Two practical steps. First, here's what we need to do. If we're going to start to repent and walk in something new, we need to know what's there. And, and for a lot of us, you ever heard the, the saying, a fish doesn't know that it's wet? A fish doesn't know that it's wet. It doesn't think about the fact that it's wet. Just like most of us don't think about the way that we handle conflict. We just do it. We don't think about the fact that we raise our voice when we're angry, when we want to make a point. We just do it. We don't think about all of these different things that we were brought up being taught because this is, I just observed this. I just learned this. No one told me to do this. That's how most of these things are. 
And, and so we need to take some time first to reflect and say, all right, Lord, what's in my family history? How have we related to each other in a way that uh, is dysfunctional? And how do you want to rewire, transform the way I relate to my family so I can be a blessing to them? And so I, I, this comes from Pete Scazzaro's Ten Commandments of Your Family of Origin. And I, I just want to highlight these and uh, offer like a few kind of dysfunctional ways of thinking about it. And you might hear some of these and go, that's not dysfunctional, that's totally normal. I want to invite you to think about it a little bit deeper as to, to why that might be. But, but even just now as I read these, allow the Holy Spirit to say, look into that one more. There might be something here. Or some of them might be like, oh yeah, that's definitely one. So let's look at these together. Uh, the first one, money. Sometimes we make statements like, money is the best source of security. The more money you have, the more important you are. Make lots of money to prove you made it. Now, most of the time, no one's actually going to say these things to you, are they? But they're going to teach you it through how they behave when it comes to money. Uh, What about conflict? Avoid conflict at all costs. Yeah, someone, someone just say amen. <laughs> Don't get people mad at you. So sometimes it turns into people pleasing. Not helpful. Loud, angry, constant fighting is normal. That's just how we do it in our house. We're Irish Americans. We're just hot, we're hot-blooded. That's just how we do it. Uh, what about sex? Sex is not to be spoken about. Men can be promiscuous. Women must be chaste. Sexuality in marriage, that'll come easily. What about grief and loss? What have your families of origins taught you about grief and loss? What about that sadness is a sign of weakness? I heard, uh, my, I think my daughter came home from, uh, from school, school once and, and she made a comment about how big girls don't cry and we've never said that to her. And we're like, tried to be really cool about it. Just be cool, be calm. Like, what are you saying right now? Like, where'd you hear that? At school, just someone made a comment, not even to her, it was to someone else. And just picked up on that. But we've made it a point with things like sadness to say, you're, it's okay to cry, you're allowed to cry. Everyone has times where they need to cry. Grief and loss, what about, you're not allowed to be depressed. Get it together. Get over your losses quickly and move on. What about expressing anger? How do you express anger? Uh, Anger is dangerous and bad. Never be angry. Never show that you're angry. To the other extreme, explode in anger to make a point. That's one of the ones that I do. What about this? Sarcasm is an acceptable way to release anger. I do that one too. You know, sarcasm is actually kind of unhealthy. 
I'm sorry, I know it's like a second language to most of us, but it, it just reveals a lot of times like that edge that we're all kind of carrying, doesn't it? How about with family? You owe your parents for all they've done for you. Sometimes we get manipulative statements from our, from our parents like, how could you say that after everything I've done for you? Even if you're making a true statement, that's their way of being defensive. Don't speak about your family's dirty laundry in public. Whoops. Did that one already. Duty to family and culture comes before everything. What about with relationships? Don't trust people. They will let you down. Nobody will ever hurt me again. Don't show vulnerability. What about attitudes toward different cultures? Race, ethnicity, culture. Only be friends with people who are like you. Now again, a lot of these, especially in our day and age, are, are not taught. They are just practiced. No one says these things. Most people do not say these things. Do not marry a person of another race or culture. Certain cultures or races are not as good as mine. Certain cultures or races don't work as hard, aren't as good with their money. What about success? Success is getting into the best schools. Success is making lots of money. Success is getting married and having children. Success is a great career. What are the lessons that you learned from your family? And finally, with feeling and emotions, uh, you are not allowed to have certain feelings. You ever hear that one? Certain feelings, yeah, okay, you can have that, but ooh, that's too much. Your feelings are not important. That can be really difficult sometimes. We were taught that from a parent maybe who, who couldn't, uh, regulate their own emotional world. They didn't have space for a child who is, can't regulate their emotions because they're a child. And we learn very quickly that we have to defer our emotional world for a parents, for someone else like that. Reacting with your feelings without thinking is okay. Sometimes we learn that one too. So just a, a few there. Just look at them for a minute. Money, conflict, sex, grief and loss, expressing anger, family, relationships, uh, culture, race, uh, success, feelings and emotions. And then as you're looking at this, we'll leave this up on the screen. This is the first part of practically what you need to do. Reflect on your family of origins. You might have had these sayings, these messages. You might have other ones that were practiced. But then uh, the second step that you can do, and it's kind of connected to this, but uh, I've showed before a, a genogram. Uh, and a genogram is essentially just a family tree. They use it in uh, what's called family systems theory. Uh, counseling, and it's a way of recognizing and identifying patterns in your family history. And so you can think of, a, it's either a, it's a family tree or an organizational chart, or it's a, a sideways March, magnet, or March Madness bracket, depending on how you look at it. Uh, and, and so what you've got there is, is 
you can map, put yourself, put your parents, their parents. If you can go back and do great-grandparents, just go back a few generations and map any of these things that pop out to you that go from generation to generation. Map any of, of the key patterns that you see. Like, for example, in mine, I, I saw clearly from my, going back to my great-grandparents, there were patterns of abuse, and it, the abuse looked different in different generations. There were patterns of keeping secrets and hiding things in different generations. There were patterns of how uh, the men would be very passive in the relationships, that the women would, would take over and have to take control because the men would get passive and they'd take too much space. And, and then you'd have this weird like dynamic in every, all the relationships like that. And, and so I began to see these patterns when I did this for myself and, and that made kind of these categories here uh, kind of pop, if you will. And I began to see how this played out differently for my great-grandparents, for my grandparents, for my parents in different ways. And then it helped me see now uh, with a wife and two kids of my own going, oh, I have my own version of that. Here's how not handling anger in a healthy way manifests in my family. Here's how uh, being passive in, in my relationship with my wife plays out differently. And, and I've begun to do the slow work over the last several years of repenting of these things, saying, I don't want anything to do with how my family of origins done these things. Jesus, I want to walk in your way of doing these things. And you have to learn new skills to do this. You can't just say, okay, I'm different now. That means when the conflict comes next time, you can't run from the conflict. You actually have to now engage the conflict. And you maybe have never done that before. So just some follow-ups. Once you do these two things, reflect on these different categories, do a basic genogram of your family, you may need to see a therapist. If you're married, you and your, your spouse may want to go to couples counseling. We can refer you to some great people. You may need to sit down with myself. You might need to, in your life group, start sharing about like, what do I do? What are the tools I need to get through some of these things. Some of you that, that have some of the, the challenges of um, don't be vulnerable with anyone. This one will be really hard for you because the very thing you're gonna need to do and need is the very thing you don't wanna do. Be vulnerable. And, and so I wanna invite you because what ends up happening is after you do change your pattern of living for a while, you almost can't recognize who that person was before that related to people in those other ways. Like when Jill and I first got married, um, we would totally miss each other in our communication. You ever miss someone in, in your communication? And, and, and we would uh, get really annoyed with each other, hurt, because the way we were relating was not on the same page. And we started to do a couple things. One, we, we started to ask a question when the other was talking because I had this propensity to try and fix every problem she'd bring to me. So I try my best to say, do you want feedback or help right now or do you just need to vent? I'm not perfect at it, but man, is it helpful when I remember to do that. It, it changes the whole, because she's like, I just need to vent. I'm like, fantastic, just go for it. And I just, here we go. And I make sure I'm listening still. I don't check out. Um, but then one of the other things that we had to learn how to do was learn how to not talk about each other like we were the problem, but talk about the problem as something that we were there together to figure out. 
So for example, a lot of times we're doing this, we've got a, a group of, a bunch of uh, engaged couples right now we're doing some premarital with. It's so cute. Uh, I love it. Uh, but it's just got me thinking, Jill and I thinking a lot more about how we're even having these conversations. But for example, like someone going, someone going, hey, like you don't ever take care of the budget. You never do the financial stuff. You don't do any of this. Do, do you relate to each other with your spouse that way? Don't admit it. It's okay. You can share it later privately. You don't have to say it right now. You're like, do you have a friend where you're like, you never call me. I always call you. Instead of going on the offensive and making an accusatory statement, one of the skills I had to learn to live differently than my family, because my family would do that kind of thing a lot. It'd be nice if you called me and it'd be like kind of passive aggressive, manipulative. What I learned to do was, hey, I really enjoy talking to you. Would you be willing to call me sometimes instead of me calling you? Maybe like once a month. I would really, but that's so vulnerable because they could just say no. They could. Now, most people have too many people-pleasing issues, so they're gonna be like, yeah, I can do that. But then they're on the hook for it. They're agreeing with you. They're saying, yes, I'll do that. But like, how much more healthy is that instead of saying, you never call me or you never take care of your half of the finances to say, hey, we agreed that I was gonna manage this part of our finances. You are gonna manage this part. Does that still work for you and I? I feel frustrated when my things are done and often I notice like, give two or three examples, when this hasn't happened, I have felt frustrated. How much more disarming of a way of talking is that? But you're like, no one talks that way, Andrew. Why do you sound like a crazy person? But, but the reality is, is like, I had to learn these skills to talk differently. It took it away from being something that was attacking Jillian or her attacking me. And we made it about the problem. Hey, here's a need I have is there something we can do to get there together? And it's scary though, because sometimes, especially when a relationship isn't going well, the other person can say, I don't really wanna do that. And that the whole point of it is, anytime you ask and don't just accuse and actually ask for what you want, you're being vulnerable. But here's what's fun is most of the time, a lot of times people are like, yeah, I can do that. Because a lot of times we know we haven't actually learned to just ask for what we want. And, and when Jill and I have done this and as we've learned to do this better, it, it's also really hard to like get out of things now because I was point blank asked, will you do this? And so it's, it, it helps a lot, man, with accountability, let me tell you. But the other thing it does is like, I don't feel attacked. She doesn't feel attacked. And, and it brings us closer together. I understand better what her needs are she knows better what my needs are. I feel pretty good because I'm actually sharing something I really need or want or would hope for. You can do that in any kind of relationship. I, want, I just wanna share one more story and then we're gonna, we're gonna take communion. Um, I have a, 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 another guy that I, I was talking with a while back and doing some work on some of this stuff with him. And um, he was having a particularly difficult time with his dad and, and his dad had kind of done some things that really like hurt him. And, and, and it was like recent and totally just kind of disrespected his son, uh, this guy I was working with. And, and he was just so, so hurt by it. And, and, and he was ready to just kind of go in, bam, here's what you did, dad. Like, don't do this again. And he was gonna, I was, and I just asked him the question, do you want to 
engage with him right now in the same way you've always done it? Or would you like to break the cycle? And he goes, because we've been having these conversations about living out of Jesus's family, not the family he came from. And he goes, he just stops, takes a deep breath and he goes, yeah, I want to break the cycle. So I told him just what we just talked about. Here's what you could do. You can ask for what you want. Here's what happened. I felt hurt. In the future, could you do this? And he's like, my dad's going to think I'm weird if I talk to him like that. And I'm like, yeah, but it's going to work. Now, it's not a guarantee. I told him there's no problem. Like he might say, no, I'm not doing that. Like you, but you need to let him make that decision on his own. This, the thing about love is you can't actually control people. Real, real love. And, and so he, he has this conversation and he calls me back and he's like, he like was speechless. He's like, I can't believe how well that went. My dad was apologetic. He opened up. He started sharing about all these things that were going on around that and his own things. He, his dad was taking responsibility for how he should have handled the situation differently because of some things going on. And he said that that, that one conversation has shifted the trajectory of their relationship. Isn't that awesome? Amen, praise God for that. But those kinds of things, that came with work of him recognizing this is where I've, I've come from. This is the origin story that I've been living out of and it's time for me to cut that off, repent of that, break that off. And I wanna live out of Jesus's new family. Not so I ignore the old family, but that so I can actually be a blessing to them. So I can be a blessing to friends. So I can be a blessing to, to neighbors, to other people. If there is one family ingredient, one ingredient that you can bring to change and revolutionize your family relationships, it's this. Will you do the work to go back and repent of the past that you will have nothing to do with it and take on the new way of Jesus? Take on what the spirit is doing. Take on new skills, learn new things. What could that do to revolutionize your family, your marriage, your relationships with siblings, uncles, aunts, kids, cousins, coworkers? What could God wanna do through a people who just related differently? May that be a witness in and of itself to the powerful work of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.